Before we get into the episode, we want to let you know we are gathering another Attaching to God learning cohort. In it, you will escape your anxious jungles and avoiding deserts of faith and grow into secure attachment with God and with others. This is a one-of-a-kind six-week cohort combining recorded teachings and live cohort calls. So you can get all the details at embodiedfaith.life slash learning dash cohorts or see the show notes for details after the description. Welcome back to the Embodied Faith Podcast. Today, we're asking questions like, I know I want to pursue God, but part of me would rather not. Part of me is maybe a little afraid of God, or part of me is maybe um, worried that God is just done with me. So the question is, is, is God big enough for all of our parts? This is the Embodied Faith Podcast, where we are integrating spiritual uh, faith, uh, spiritual formation, and neuroscience. My name is Jeff Holzklaw, and this is all brought to you by Grassroots Christianity, which is seeking to grow faith for everyday people. Today, I'm really excited to have Brian Homeyer. I hope I'm saying that right, on the show. Uh, he is the Director of Curriculum Development for the Order of the Common Life, which is reimagining uh, religious vocations for the 21st century. He's also a spiritual director, and he's integrating IFS and other things like that in his spiritual direction. Brian, welcome to the show. We're so glad that you're here today. I'm so excited and grateful to be here. Thank you, Jeff. Yeah, for sure. Well, uh, and we'll get into what the order of the common life is maybe a little bit near the end, uh, which is really exciting, which I'm actually a part of also just beginning to be a part of. But um, could you explain for people who don't know uh, as well, what is spiritual direction? What does that mean? Are you yeah, like it's a really bossy person. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think a lot of uh, the people that, that I meet with would, uh, they might tell you sometimes they wish that I I, I was more bossy. Than my director. <laughs> uh, one of the um, one of the pictures for it that I really love and and often offer as uh, as an explanation of spiritual direction is is that of midwifing. So so part of the conviction is that there's there's something uh, you know especially with some of the stuff we can get in with IFS there's something really amazing about how we're designed by God but there's something even more amazing about how God loves us. And is actively involved in our growth and our transformation and love that God is already working on something in you, is already at work and doing something, is birthing something in you. And so what spiritual direction then allows is that you're inviting somebody to accompany you, to be alongside of you in this kind of capacity as a midwife. What they're they're not the expert of your of your body and of your experience, but they've they've been on the journey before, and they're able to really accompany, be present to you, help you to to shift and reposition, and and basically allow this really natural process of God loving you into change and loving you into transformation and love happen. Uh, and practically speaking, that means that I ask a lot of questions and I leave a lot of space for silence and. Uh, and hold space for God to really do the work in our conversation and in our, in our prayer. So just for like nuts and bolts, like a spirit, yeah. you're a spiritual director. 
uh, mm-hmm. you offer spiritual direction. So what would in like a small space, what would like uh, a session with a spiritual director look like? Like how does that spiritual midwifery kind of happen within um, a set time and space or something like that? Yeah. And it, it's amazing uh, because I, I hear a lot of times, you know, I'll start uh, on a call. Usually it's, it's monthly for about an hour is what we'll schedule. And, and, uh, somebody that I meet with regularly will come on and, and they'll say, you know, I, I thought about canceling cause I, I just don't know really what to talk about. And say, like, okay, <laughs> That's well, me like every time let's, let's just, Oh gosh, I have to talk about myself. <laughs> let's just pray and see what's here. And, and so I, I always begin with a time of silence that gets to last as long as, as long as the person wants, it's their silence. And so whenever they're ready to begin, uh, and I always say the record is 37 minutes so far. Uh, but usually it's more, usually it's more like a minute or two. Uh, and then, and then we'll just begin wherever that person wants what they're noticing in that silence, maybe some peace in it, maybe some discomfort in it, or maybe something that is just really started to, uh, to press on them over, over the course of the month, something bothering them in their relationships or their prayer or whatever. And it's not always a problem. Sometimes it's really good things that we just want to nurture. And so then we'll just start kind of I'll start probing around that and just asking questions and just trying to help them to draw their awareness to where God is in that. And so again, it's, we just kind of see where it goes. I never, there's no course of spiritual direction. Like there might be a course of counseling where, where we have an end in mind. The end is, is really just is, is becoming more and more like Christ. Hmm. Um, and so we'll just come to the end of uh, a conversation where maybe I've done a lot of, IFS, which, which we'll talk about, or, or maybe just been asking questions about how God is responding to them and to what they're experiencing and how they're responding to God. No, they're not responding. to God. How would you like to respond to God? We'll ask those kinds of questions uh, that sometimes require us to, to just sit with them for a while because they don't have immediate answers. Mm-hmm. Um, and then by the end of an hour, that same person who said, you know, I, I thought I'd, I thought there might not be a point in us meeting today because I didn't have anything for us to talk about and hours flown by. And, uh, and now we're just looking at what the next invitation for them from God might be as they go forward. If that's continuing a certain conversation with God, or if that's having a conversation with somebody else or, or whatever that might be to just kind of take the next faithful step. Yeah, that's great. So, and I didn't prep you for this, uh, but it sounds like, well, just, you know, I'm trying to fill this out for people who aren't as familiar with spiritual direction, it, that it's not quite like discipleship or like a mentoring uh, relationship where you're going through maybe like a, a course of study or like here's some discipleship skills or here's like leadership development kind of like meetings where you're kind of, you know, let's have an hour a month to check in on how your, you know, your marriage is doing or whatever, although that might come up. And then it's also not exactly like uh, counseling either where maybe you come in with this really acute problem and you're learning skills or you're processing your past and things like that. Uh, and so not that those things might not also happen in a spiritual direction, but that's not necessarily the goal. The goal is more like practicing the presence of God with someone else, which as we know, you know, this is a, a podcast all about spiritual formation and neurosciences. You can't really be a human being by yourself. You have to always be no. doing it with other people. So you're in constant conversation and spiritual direction is part of that kind of, conversational life with God and things like that. So really quick, how did you personally get into becoming a spiritual director? How did that um, happen in your life? I, you know, I always ask these questions of people who become pastors or therapists, you know, and other things. So how is it that this has 
part of your life? Yeah, tr- trying to tell the, the shortest uh, form of the story. I, I uh, had very briefly uh, been uh, bivocational uh, pastoring in California. Um, I, I burned out really quickly in that, uh, took time, stepped back from uh, ministry, which, which I thought is what I always wanted to do, was to pastor. Uh, and I, and I stepped back, uh, and I told myself that I was going to take some time to discern moving back to Ohio where I'm from. And as soon as I did that and I resigned, I realized that I actually had no idea how to discern. Um, it was just a word that we always used in, in church circles and, and I didn't actually know what it meant. Uh, and, and so that began a really difficult season where I floundered for a long time and that decision eventually did move back uh, on a on kind of a leap of faith uh, uh, to back to Ohio where I'm from, and just really expecting that if I if I did this faithful thing, trusting God that that all these miraculous things would open up, and they didn't, and that, and that was a really difficult and and dark season, um, it, but really pressed on things that were already uh, really kind of wounded and, and needing repair in my relationship with God, and so through that I was. Uh, open and vulnerable enough to to finally receive an invitation to start meeting with a spiritual director, which I had no idea what it was uh, when it was suggested to me. And so I started reading a little bit about it. Um, you know, David Benner's book on on spiritual direction uh, and and a few other things. And just that immediately as I started to read about it, I I felt just this refreshing. Uh, of my spirit, this refreshing of my heart, because it was kind of a, a vision of ministry that I had always wanted to do. And I just didn't know that it existed in order to name it and in order to pursue it. Uh, this kind of really just being with people, just being alongside of them as as uh, they seek God and having this backstage pass to watch God love people in their own stories. And so, so I started meeting with the spiritual director. I, I told him in our first uh, meeting that whatever spiritual direction is or is supposed to be, you're going to have to be my marriage therapist with God, uh, which he very, uh, I'm very grateful that he consented to. And in some sense was, uh, and then shortly after that, just realizing, man, how much, how much joy this is opening up for me, how much, how much hope this is opening up for me, beginning to revitalize my, my relationship, my love with God, um, started training as a spiritual director myself. Excellent. So it's, it's like pastoring, uh, ministering and by other means outside of, you know, what is in the West and America been become kind of like a real small vision of what pastoring is. All right. So then spiritual direction, spiritual friendship, midwifery with God. Why do we need to talk about neuroscience or, uh, internal family systems or IFS why did you bring psychology into it? Isn't psychology just corrupting this spiritual process that you're trying to lead people into? Sorry, that's rhetorical. I'm very combative. But how did you uh, end up? Because you're you're not just someone who like read a book on you know IFS and then was like, oh, this might help some of my you know uh, directees. I was about to say clients. I was like, that's not the right word. The, the, your direct te- right? But you're actually you went through a full on training. You're certified mm-hmm. and these types of things. So how could you explain? What yeah. is IFS, you know, in a real kind of short version? Um, yeah. And then kind of, yeah, how did you find it useful? Why do you, why are you sticking to this thing? It's great. So 
so again, trying to trying to to find the shortest path here. Uh, I, I the IFS internal family systems framework looks at this idea that we'll often speak just conversationally. We'll we'll say things similar to what you said at, at the beginning of this podcast that you know. G- heading toward this, uh, the invitation to this podcast, you know, part of me is, was really excited about this. And, and, and part of me is, you know, nervous about what will happen. You know, part, part of me wanted to, to put this off, uh, you know, but, but part of me was like, absolutely wanted to do this. So we'll, we'll talk about, uh, you know, part, you know, part of me, uh, wants or thinks this thing, or there's this side of me that feels this way, uh, some, something in me is still upset with this person. So th- this is just conversational language we'll, we use. And so internal family systems kind of really focuses in on that and, and started to be curious about that language. That's, that's really literally how this developed uh, with Richard Schwartz as, as a family systems therapist started to just be curious toward clients who were using these terms and talking about some of their, their symptoms and some of their disorders. And, and in exploring that begin to find this possibility that, that what we call these, these parts or sides of ourselves are, are really these parts of us. These uh, sub personalities would be another way to say it. Um, that, have a a job that have a role the way that we would have a role in a family system a function that in an unhealthy family system we get stuck in we become that role Uh, in a similar way um, when we notice a conflictedness in us when we notice ourselves being pulled in different directions we we want to press in a relationship with god and yet we find ourselves um, constantly going to our phone or, or our mind constantly wandering when we're entering into prayer, these things that are, are getting in the way, these competing commitments. Um, we might find if we get curious toward these things, if we allow space for it, um, that there is, that there are, uh, there's a role being done in us by parts of us that, uh, that end up being protective. Uh, because there might be a part of me that uh, is actually really concerned that if I get closer to God, that, uh, that God is going to ask me to do something that I will absolutely hate, that God is going to ask me to, um, do something that would, uh, that would make my family vulnerable. Um, and, and so, uh, what we're experiencing in, uh, some of the, you know, a part of us that's distracted, um, a a part of us that, uh, that um, you know, it's begins it feels like I'm I'm uh, pulling it in another direction from God. It's, it's actually doing something that is uh, trying to do something positive for us. Um, and so, I I, I had a, a little bit of a similar experience, um, kind of parallel to Richard Schwartz, who developed internal family systems, where uh, I just noticed myself asking a lot of questions uh, of the people that I was uh, meeting with for spiritual direction and began to find that um, just the more that I would be curious toward rather than trying to solve, which I'm grateful is really kind of the mode of spiritual direction, 
um, not, not having to have answers for something. But as I just asked about how God was responding to particular experiences that they had, how God was responding, not just to them, but how, how is God responding to your frustration? How, how is God responding to, um, to this hurt that you feel? And we start to zero in on um, the parts and not just this, uh, just this monolith of oneself. Uh, I, I started to see that there's actually a lot, of, a lot of really wonderful stuff that opens up because these are things that we, we, tend, to, we tend to bury. We, we tend to keep out of the conversation because we have this tendency to uh, try to resolve ourselves into a unity. If, if I notice that, uh, you know, I, I have this desire toward God, but I have this frustration uh, about what I've experienced of God, I have this hard time believing that both are true and holding that tension. And so I'll, so I'll marginalize the frustration. I, I won't pay attention to that. And I'll just try to try to put one face forward in relationship to God. And so bringing out, uh, making space for and bringing out frustration, hurt, anxiety, uh, um, ambivalence, into our conversation with God in spiritual direction, began to see that um, there's actually some healing that was beginning to happen there because uh, that kind of relationship to the wounded parts of us uh, was starting to open up. Uh, and so then it was, it was uh, as I was introduced to internal family systems therapy by some friends who were pursuing that for themselves, started reading about it and seeing Oh, this actually makes all the sense in the world for what I've been experiencing and is actually re a really natural fit for spiritual direction. And, and, I, and uh, as I got to experience going through uh, some of the IFS training, uh, I, I was amused that it was, it was actually a lot more natural for me to follow this model of um, being open and curious and and, uh, and non-judgmental about, uh, some of these experiences, anxieties, um, not, not having a ready-made solution for them, not trying to fix them. Um, it was, it was pretty natural for me to follow that kind of, um, that kind of posture than it would be for somebody who was maybe trained in, uh, in a cognitive behavioral therapy uh, kind of school of practice as a therapist. There just seemed to be a really natural fit in bringing this kind of curiosity and openness. And so I just started adapting kind of slightly the questions that I was already asking into this mm -hmm. framework that named the uh, possible reality that, that, that there, there are these things in us that are reacting, that are acting up, are actually trying to do something good for us and are actually trying to protect us and just started to see more and more fruit coming from that. And so finally, when there was an opportunity to, to really train in, in the full model, then, then I jumped on that. Excellent. So that was a lot of really good stuff. Um, for those of you who love the resources, I'll be sure to add it to the show notes. Uh, his big uh, book, Richard Schwartz, uh, it's called Internal Family Systems Therapy. Uh, I don't know if you can all see that if you're watching on YouTube. He also has a, a more popular accessible version called No Bad Parts. Um, and in the past, we had uh, Jenna Reimersma, who was on uh, the podcast in season one. 
she's also a, a parts therapist. So there's lots of resources that'll be in the show notes, but, but you mentioned a couple different things, um, you know, like the, the official languages that we have, like, you know, wounded, um, or burdened exiles, uh, like parts of us that are children that we're not really even aware of or in touch with. And then we have these managers who are kind of like, you know, they're doing what it sounds like they're managing our life in certain ways. And then we have firefighters parts who, when there's a crisis or when the managers have a breakdown, uh, they swoop in, you know, so we have all these different parts kind of doing different things to keep us from that wounded, um, or exiled part. And, um, I think what you said is really important that I just want to highlight for everyone is that it kind of shifts from the, like, what's wrong with me or why can't I do this or that? Or why do I feel this way to the questions like what you said? Um, like, well, what happened to me or what, um, what is this part doing? That's good. Um, that maybe they don't need to do anymore. Like it was good. There's a part of me that has protected me for a good reason, Uh, but maybe they're stuck in the past and they don't realize that my life has been updated and that my relationships are safer and that uh, my opportunities, you know, are a little clearer or things like that. And so there's, they don't need to be self-sabotaging or something like that. So if you had, well, I don't know if you have like any specific examples of people who bring kind of these wounded parts or firefighter parts or, manager parts to their relationship with God that keeps them from being able to advance in their understanding of who God is or their their ability to receive God's love for them or something, something like that. I want to kind of put, um, you know, practical kind of examples. Um, so why you think of one, I'll say this Mm -hmm. last thing. The reason why I like IFS also is because it gets us out of this, um, a true false self kind of understanding, like, uh, there's some true self that I have that I need to bring to God and find. Uh, but then I have this like false self that I somehow got uh, that I need to get rid of. Um, and I like IFS because it kind of moves that to, well, no, it's not like true self, false self. It's that we have like a kind of a fragmented selves uh, that, and there's a reason for that. Uh, and we need to kind of embrace and gather and integrate all those selves. We don't just need to get rid of one and then take on, but we need to bring them all before God and, in into relationship with God. And so, so I really like that, but, but do you have any kind of like practical examples of, of, of ways that this has kind of helped your mentees kind of like have aha moments about kind of their own spiritual journeys or, or maybe you could use yourself if that's, you know? Yeah. It, uh, I think what, what I have seen, uh, play out uh, in a number of different stories is a reality where uh, a number of people that I've, I've worked with have these decade, decades-long relationships with God where there's a lot of trust built up, where they have experienced God doing really amazing things uh, to, be, to be really kind toward them, uh, to provide really well for them. Uh, and to be um, uh, uh, to to be a really secure relationship, and yet they'll reach a point where they they notice that um, they do keep on uh, feeling a barrier uh, in a time where their trust is being asked of them, uh, where. Uh, they and and they're a bit besides them uh, beside themselves because they know who God has been. They know who God is. Their theology is all right. 
their theology is spot on. Uh, but they're noticing that, uh, that there is something in them that just has the hardest time trusting that God is actually going to come through. Uh, and, and they find that kind of creating a barrier in their prayer. And so th- some of the reality that we're looking at is in this view of what we can call the multi-parted self, uh, these parts of us uh, end up kind of getting stuck in time where they're, where they're first given their job. And so, uh, for example, uh, w- for one person's story, um, in, in childhood, they, they learned about uh, their inability to be able to, um, their inability to be able to ask for what they need and, and not have that be something that's burdensome to uh, their parents and to their family. Uh, that's not okay to just, to just name your need and, and your need will be provided for. And, and so they, they knew that that's not how God was, but they have this reality that's, that's created somewhere in them that continues to safeguard against uh, stating their needs toward God. Because the lesson that was learned is that if I do this, even if my need is met, it will be met begrudgingly and it will be held against me. And, and so here's this, this part of them, this younger part of them that only comes up occasionally, only comes up when it's needed to do its job to, to protect against naming that need. And anytime that it's not on, activated, doing its job, it's beneath the surface. And so it, it never gets to see the light of this relationship with God. And I've loved, I've loved for anybody who's uh, seen the series Severance, I've, I've loved since that's come up because to me, that's uh, such a, a perfect picture of um, what this reality looks like, where, where you have somebody who, when they go into the, the office, they're, they're out in the world self shuts off and they have this uh, blank slate that gets created that only lives in the office. And as soon as they leave, that shuts off and then they're back in their life. And it's that kind of reality with these parts of us that are burdened with, uh, with hurt, uh, with traumas. Um, as, as soon as uh, we go into the light of our uh, daytime relationship with God, they shut off. They never see that. And so there's this disintegration that exists for them. And so what that's looked like in our conversations is first creating the, the secure space in order to be able to receive with the okayness of there being a part of them that doesn't trust God um, and, and to become curious toward that and to recognize that uh, somewhere in us, there's, there might be this little kid uh, who is uh, stuck in this reality of not being able to be in a, in a real uh, parent child relationship with God because of the rules that they, they lived under and that they learned. Um, and then once there's space for, for that to, to really be understood, to be seen, for awareness to be there, then, then that's a time when, as a spiritual director, I get to invite them to invite God to be present to that part of them, to, to that little kid inside of them. And then in as much as it feels safe for that part of them who lives uh, sometimes not feeling safe, 
and invite them to, to come out and to experience God. And as weird as this might sound to anybody who's not familiar with IFS, who's not familiar with this kind of stuff, and, and some of this stuff does sound weird uh, when you get into, into some of the parts work of, of internal family systems, then, then there's a real relating that gets to happen. Um, that I would say is, is much more than theoretical. There, there's a real reality to this where, where I get to see that there's this, you know, might, might be uh, the, the image in them of an eight-year-old girl uh, who gets to, to meet the living God for the first time, the way that this 60-year-old woman has known God for the last 40, 50 years. And, and suddenly this new relationship opens up that never existed before. And God is able to, to really give healing to some part of them that has always been burdened with this belief that just can't be undone cognitively. No amount of theology can sit through 50 years of really good theological sermons. And, and this stuff doesn't get undone unless these parts of us that have lived under the surface and, and lived in a certain reality defined by the past can be brought out and be brought into conversation, be brought into relationship with God as God is really intent to do. Yeah, that's, that's so important. Um, and you touched on how it can kind of sound weird or to some people, <clears throat> excuse me, where, you know, Oh, we're talking about parts work. Does that mean I have like multiple personality disorder or dissociative identity disorder? Like, you know, I'm not a schizophrenic, like I don't have some deep mental health problem. Right. So I don't have any parts work. Right. I know like the first time I ever heard it, I was like, Oh, that's probably for those really like sick people, you know, but, <clears throat> but what you're saying I think is true. It's like, well, we kind of talk this way. Like part of me wants to go to the party and part of me just wants to stay at home because I'm tired. Right. We have, you know, and so most people are like, Oh yeah, I do. Yeah. Part of me, you know, loves God. And the other part of me is kind of like worried that if I stop serving on the worship team, uh, that God will be disappointed with me. Or part of me is worried that if I don't volunteer all the time, that God will be let down, you know? And so it's like, oh, well, well, what part of you is that? Like, why do you, why do you, why do you know, why does part of you know that God loves you unconditionally? And another part of you is worried that now that my kids are out of the house that I, I, you know, I, that God doesn't love me anymore or something like that. And, and it goes back to, you know, we all have these different kind of scripts or kind of life situations. You know, some children, like you said, might um, have been raised that their needs are not validated or cared for in a, you know, in a caring kind of way and that they're always shamed for having needs. And so sharing your needs is, um, is scary or it's threatening. It's vulnerable. And so you'd rather not. So you become a very independent person who's very capable. And then someone else maybe finds that their needs are met because uh, they perform. They sat really quietly as a child and then they got really good grades and then they were the captain of the soccer team. And so if I perform and I'm successful, then I will get my needs met by my parents or by my romantic partners. And then, you know, and you bring that, that part or that, that story to God that says, um, if I'm performing, then I know for sure God will love me. Uh, but then if I'm, if I'm, you know, if I'm sick, if I'm injured, if I can't perform in the ways I used to, then that part now starts screaming and is afraid, uh, oh, well, maybe God won't love me anymore. Right. So, so it's these kind of things that are happening. Is that right, Brian, that you're just kind of finding these different parts and starting to talk to them as weird as that might sound, and then just kind of calming them down and bringing them into God's presence and things like that. Yeah. And, and it's understanding them on, 
on their terms because when when we encounter that uh, that contradiction of of our desires, I, I I want to I want to go to the party, but for some reason I don't want to go, or or I I feel this way toward God, but I don't know why. What what we can do is just kind of dismiss the irrationality of it because we know what we know as the you know thirty year old forty year old whatever that we are, and and there's not space for it. But yeah. when we when we bring that curiosity to it, to to and begin to see that this might be something much older, allow that this might be something that has a really different, very different terms of understanding these things. That this that this might be a, you know, a teenage part of me that still has that still feels the social anxiety of a teenager, and understand yeah. that there's a rationality to that. And I, and I, and it just needs to be received on its own terms, on its own level, then, then that connection actually starts to be able to, to be what brings some healing and transformation rather than our, our figuring it out. And then, and then trying to get it in line with, with who we think that we are and who we think that we should be. And God God does that better than anybody, I think is the reality. And as much as, you know, sorry, I, I was uh, like to say that um, one of the things that I, I love about IFS, because it's one of the things I love about spiritual direction, that the goal isn't healing. Even in, in internal family systems therapy proper, the goal isn't healing. The goal is relationship. Mm-hmm. And, and where there's relationship, healing will, will naturally come out of that because of God designed us that way. Yeah, absolutely. So the last thing... Um, or last two things, because I want to, I'll let you, I'm going to say something and then you can kind of think about it, but I'd love to figure out, or I'd love to kind of end this time with uh, maybe you just suggesting like a practice or a kind of, a, you know, something that we can do, you know, throughout the weeks, you know, where we're not with our, you know, director, right? Like, what are these things that you kind of leave with some of your directees? Um, but before that, I just want to go back to the the true self, false self and how, you know, I really want to kind of have us move back to the biblical language of like the old self and the new self or the old mm-hmm. humanity and the new humanity in Christ, the old humanity is, you know, the past disintegrated kind of separated fragments of ourselves, you know, like the, the, the middle school or the high schooler that got teased or bullied, uh, you know, and that's the part that they're trying to protect themselves from ever feeling that way again. So then they become the straight A student or they become the funny person, you know, like a different way to manage that social anxiety or that fear of being teased. Right. So then you put a layer of yourself on top of it, which is the straight A student or the funny guy or whatever. Right. You know, so those are two different parts that were created by a, a you know, a middle school bullying situation where I have this fearful, unprotected part that, you know, I want to never meet again. And then I have this, you know, funny guy who always makes a joke. So people laugh, you know, but I can't really get into a deeper relationship. Right. So, but that's like the old self. That's the past self that you said, that's kind of stuck, but Christ comes in the present now and leads us into an integrated new future. Um, and so I, I love how, you know, obviously spiritual direction creates moments for doing that. And then IFS kind of gives, some language around that. So is there a practice? So that was enough. I was trying to stall a little bit so you can come up with a really good practice for us. Yeah. I, uh, my, my directees, uh, know this, that I, I, I hope they know this, that I have a bias toward, toward the simple. Uh, and, and so just what, what I think is a really wonderful practice and, and, you know, it's fits, I, I should hope with, uh, with the embodied, uh, theme of, of this, uh, of this podcast. Uh, is is really just to begin by by noticing 
just trying to notice whatever is happening inside of us. That that can be, it's difficult to do it in, in the moment, but also in the moment and in, in the conversation with our with our spouse or our roommates or our coworkers is when we notice some something being activated in us. Um, whether it's whether it's loud or, or whether it's just chirping in our ear, um, some frustration or, or anger or whatever. But especially if we can come to a place where uh, where we've got a little bit of quiet and we can notice whatever is really most drawing our attention. Sometimes we might talk about like what what most wants our attention. Is it some anxiety in me? Is it some apprehension? Is it some frustration from the day and then just allow our attention to be where we're experiencing that where where are we experiencing that in our body and we just shift our attention there if it's a tightness in our shoulders if it's somewhere in our stomach whatever like however subtle it is and i know for for some of us that that awareness of what's happening in our body is like that itself is a challenge and that itself is a good exercise to just practice just what can I notice that's happening in my body? And so I'm just shifting my attention there to where I'm noticing the frustration or the apprehension in my body. And then I just allow my focus to be there. Can even feed that back. Like, okay, I notice, like I, I notice that feeling, that heaviness in the pit of my stomach. I see that. And just what else can I notice about it? And just see if if any any words, if any images flesh out, and if not, that's okay. But I just want to allow my attention to really settle in there. And then can I just invite God to respond to it? Because again, I think we're often really used to looking at how God responds to to my mental self. How, How can I hear God say words to me? How can I, how's God responding to my person? But just whatever is happening in me, how is God attentive and lovingly responding and present to that, that frustration, that anxiety? And then, and then the last part is just noticing how that responds in me. Mm-hmm. So if God responds to that pit in my stomach, how does the pit in my stomach respond to God's presence? And in all of that, we're just practicing awareness and we're practicing starting to get curious about some of these parts of us, some of the things that are happening inside of us that, that, feel, uh, that feel disconnected, that feel out of our control, but are actually all a part of this, this self that God loves. Mm. That's great. Thank you so much for that. Well, just really quick to finish off, uh, we mentioned at the beginning that you're the, the curriculum developer for the Order of the Common Life. What is, what is the Order of the Common Life that you're a part of? I'm actually a part of it also. What is this thing? Um, so we're, we're, uh, um, we've described ourselves as a missional, missional monastic order. Uh, so we're an ecumenical religious order. I, I know religious orders is not a, a language that, uh, most of us in the Protestant world are, are used to. Uh, so it's, it's easier for us to talk about ourselves as monks. Um, <laughs> but, but we're, we're a community that shares a rule of life, a way of life, um, so a, a common set of rhythms and commitments and practices uh, that are designed to help us uh, individually, as a community, in our own communities, uh, to better notice and nurture the work of God in our lives and lives of others in, in the world around us. Um, 
and uh, we're we're a dispersed ecumenical order. So there's there's a lot of us here where I am in Columbus, Ohio. Obviously, Jeff, you are not here in Columbus, Ohio. Nope. Um, but we we even have some uh, uh, some in, uh, members and participants in Canada, in Europe, um, all just trying to reimagine uh, monastic vocations for the 21st century because there's historically in the church been this way for uh, for almost a, almost 2000 years to be able to, to devote the whole of one's life, um, every aspect of one's life, every hour of one's life to uh, the service of, of the kingdom of God. And for most of that time, that has not been open to, um, that has not been open to parents and to, to married people and uh, to, to people with vocations in the marketplace, um, vocations as, as artists and, and graphic designers um, and so that's part of that reimagining work is, is allowing this to be something that we can find ourselves uh, in a structured way of uh, giving our lives fully to the love of God and that transforming work, um, whatever our context is in our state of life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. Um, last year, we had uh, Jared Boyd on the, the podcast to talk about the, the lost art of paying attention and why it's so important for the spiritual life and he's you know the founder of the order of the common life and is a, a dispersed kind of missional movement uh community so uh there'll be information about that too if this is interesting or uh surprising to any of you but again this is the uh embodied faith podcast please uh like and subscribe to this on youtube if you're watching it on youtube uh as well as uh on any of your podcast players Thank you so much, Brian, for being on the show today. Uh, we have some other topics I wrote down, maybe about like what is discernment uh, and these types of things. You know, that's a big kind of question too. So maybe we could have a couple other people on and talk about that too. That's wonderful. Yeah. Well, thanks thank so you much, so. Jeff. Yeah. Well, thank you, and we'll see you guys all next time.